Hello, I'm William Gallagher and this is the Apple Insider Podcast on a week in which Apple has made a lot of money. Uh, joining me is Wes Hilliard, who, well, actually, I was going to say Wes put, is trying his best to give Apple as much money as he can. I think we all are, really. Uh, Wes, were you astounded by Apple's success this week? Well, I'm happy with my participation in the effort to ensure <laughs> Apple doesn't go out of business for yet another quarter, despite Wall Street's uh, dearest intentions. You're a good man, looking after the interests of Apple. It's it's moving. Yeah, the little guy, uh, I, you know. Yes. Well, I remember when they were the little guy. How do analysts work this out? Oh, excuse me. How do analysts not work this out, though? Every, I mean, uh, I as we record this, the earnings are out, uh, but the shares and stock will go down tomorrow and all this stuff. They always go down no matter what Apple does. And beforehand, Apple's going to miss. Yeah. So is there money in being wrong as an analyst, do you think? It's, yeah, it's either they they did too good and they're going to come crashing down any moment or they didn't do good enough and it's the sign of the end times. Mm. There is no in between. Um <laughs> But no, it's it's not surprising. I mean, here we are. Uh, let's see. This this is the, gosh, what what month is it? Is it January? So, <laughs> no, so this, this episode is, airs. It's already February. Oh. So this is their uh, holiday quarter, of course. So uh, gangbusters as always. Lots of iPhone sales. Lots of things going on. Um, not a lot in the way of hardware releases. We did have that October spooky event with some Macs uh, that mm. helped to boost some of that revenue. But most of all, you know, as usual, that services revenue is uh, very impactful, and it's uh, just it's a fun roller coaster to ride. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll, the summary we'll really is. It. Apple's going to survive to live another day, isn't it? Yes. I think so. So, Okay, in that case, let's talk about other days. Looking to the future of Apple, the thing I've been hearing all this week is that people are being handed incredibly big boxes. And uh, Wes, I've got to tell you, this morning, FedEx delivered the single biggest box I have ever had sent to me in this house. But it wasn't a vision pro. It was actually no. It was a shift happens. The book about mm -hmm. keyboards that you uh, told me about months and months ago, and I backed on Kickstarter. Uh, they've actually got a video out of how carefully you have to unwrap the box. So I haven't got to it yet. Whereas I understand when you get your big Vision Pro box, um, it's going to just be perfect packaging and all. Are there loads of stickers or something? Is that why you're buying it? You want stickers to put on the front of your Vision Pro? I think that would make it so you couldn't actually use uh, the Vision Pro, right? Because the cameras. Mm. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> so, have you opened Shift Happens? Is it is it nice? Have you started looking through? No, no. I mean, actually, it came while I was working, so I couldn't. And yeah, normally with a box, you could just just check that it's all there. But seriously, the video warns you about don't use knives that are too long, don't use scissors that are too long, because it's so well packed and so tight, you could scrape through to the book. So uh, I'm going to surgically remove everything, frankly, the moment you and I stop talking. And then I will gush about the book to you, to everybody, to people in the street. And um, that's not what we're here for. I'm just excited by it. You're equally excited because you've got the the big thing coming, haven't you? Or rather, you're going to the big thing, aren't yes. you? Uh, have the reviews put you off? Do you have buyer's remorse before you've even got it yet? Honestly, it's exactly what I expected. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of funny 
now you can kind of just put a pin in in an Apple product review ahead of time and know what every publication is going to say. Uh, the Verge is going to be very analytical, honest, but very critical. Um, and that's exactly what happened this time. I mean, Nile Patel did a great job of describing the headset and its challenges. But there's something about what how he describes things that Apple does that just get under my skin. I don't know what it is. Maybe he's just very... He's just has the anti fanboy ammo and it just aimed directly at me. But, uh, it, but I didn't disagree with anything he said, honestly, other, it just felt like he was very down on the product mm-hmm. in a odd way versus like, um, MKBHD, I Justine, I, I went through every one of these reviews and, uh, checked out like the unboxings and people describing yeah. the software. I read through, um, John Gruber's description of how uh, a lot of these options work. And I have a much better understanding now of what to expect on Friday, um, and a much better appreciation of it, but I, yeah. it didn't really turn me off from it. I'm, I'm more excited than ever to really dig into this thing. Since we're mentioning other people's reasonings, I've got to say my favourite was Joanna Stearns on the Wall Street Journal, because she wore it for a day, practically. And uh, there was a bit in there with cooking uh, where she had a timer that she just floated over a, a bowl of pasta and things. And, you know, you walk away, you look back, and there's a timer over the thing it's timing. And I actually, I would use that. I would do that. So uh, that made me extra envious that I'm not actually going to get the just... chance. I don't know that I would want to wear like seeing Joanna Stern. It was so funny because she said she wore it for as long as she could for 24 hours anyway. Um, Wearing it to cook steam rises off of these things and you're wearing a thing (laughs) that it has an intake fan and an exhaust. Is it not getting more? I I would worry about, yeah, I would worry about moisture. I mean, it is cooling. It's actively cooling. There's an M2 chip in it. It's going to get hot. You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's like a fan in the traditional sense, but um, if you put your hand on the top where the vents are, you're going to feel a little bit of heat. So, uh, but yeah, like there's holes in the base of the Vision Pro and steam's rising. And it, is it not obscuring the glass and steaming up? I, I just, I don't understand how that particular portion works. And you know, in food steam, there's food in it. <laughs> it's getting Ooh, all of Oh, stop, stop. This is getting you know, horrible. <laughs> I just, I don't know why you would want to wear it while you're like cooking over a steamy stove. Now, you know, chopping vegetables and, and other dry preparation, sure. But just like, yeah, over a steaming pot, it just, uh, it's something about that felt off to me. I didn't like her doing that. I was like, no, no, not going to do that. <laughs> uh, in fairness to her, she did actually say that it wasn't recommended. And uh, there were things she didn't like about it she couldn't read uh food labels on you know condiments and things because looking through the lens the text on them was all pixelated and things so it wasn't a serious thing it was no more serious than her skiing uh briefly with it which was very brave of her i think uh but actually wearing it in the the snow period yeah 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 but she did make me want to try it more than some people did but i will wait to hear what do you say? Although, actually, that's a thought. I was quite struck by how the every review I've seen has said very good things about Vision Pro. And it's also had some, you know, genuine criticisms of it. But it feels like everybody's saying exactly what Mike Worthily said on Apple Insider back in August. Because he's the only person I know who got to use Apple Vision Pro without it being under, you know, Apple's control and um, studio setup. So you use it like a real customer would and he was the same this is really good that isn't and it's interesting he was arguing that uh it wasn't quite finished then and it sounds like things are better now 
but similar. So I'm all over the place with this. But yeah. there is one thing. Sorry, after you. Well, I was just going to say, it, the like I said, the reviews make a lot of sense, but m- more important than ever, because, okay, pre-reviewing an iPhone, you, you're not going to be able to access every API call, right? Because there's a new camera function or there's a new thing you can do with it. Uh, but developers haven't had a chance to develop an app for that specific API call. So uh, you're you're testing the Apple Watch and Double Tap doesn't work yet. Like that's all well and good, but you're testing Vision Pro a week before it comes out. When this is like, put a timestamp as I'm speaking, and th- this moment in time is the moment where it's at its absolute worst. It's on its worst operating system version ever released, and it's got the least amount of apps it will ever have. And that becomes, you know, less true as time moves forward. There's going to be more, there's more apps every day. Uh, they're releasing bug fixes. Apple's going to come out with a a one zero two more than likely here very soon for the consumer yeah. release, if not a one point one, which eh, maybe not this soon. But it's all getting better as time goes on, of course. So and, and especially since Mike uh, used it, of course, like that's that was deep in the um, like pre release era. But even now, the reviews that we're seeing are all on hardware that doesn't really have an app ecosystem and on hardware that still has a lot of things to work out that we don't understand until it's really in everyone's hands. That 1.1 release, that 2.0 release in the fall, that's what I'm most interested in. What's happening once Apple understands what people are doing with this device? Um, But again, it's all still very interesting. I, I can see myself putting this thing on and opening a drafts window in safari and just writing and doing my job from mm-hmm. the vision pro how long it's hard to say the weight thing still seems to be brought up repeatedly um but again the actual physics of it doesn't seem to make sense to me i like i understand that it's a heavy device and that maybe it does put pressure on your head and cheeks but i think brian tong was the one who said it but uh someone someone did say this that this is something you get used to, uh, especially your face is a very sensitive part of your body and it, it's going to notice things more. But as you wear the, a device like this, like your neck and your head and your skin can't help but get used to it. So goodness, I don't know. Right. Well, I think this is definitely a device that we're going to have to observe over the long term. Yeah. And, and as positive as initial reviews are in this very critical world that loves to find reason to dislike Apple – I can't help but be excited about it. Mm, I get that. That's something you said there. just popped something into my head about the app ecosystem. Um, so many developers are saying they'll be available on day one. And I realized all of these reviews are really there before day one. Day one is Friday the 2nd. So that's mm-hmm. when I imagine people will be through. Tell you what, before you do anything else with your Apple Vision Pro, check the App Store to see if OmniPlan from the Omni Group is there with you. <laughs> Just do that for me. Well, the Omni guy, I forget his name, but... Uh, Ken Case. Omni Man himself. Um, yeah. He... Yes, he pointed out that uh, they plan on not only ordering uh, a Vision Pro for everyone on the staff, but they're going to support every single app on uh, Vision Pro. So maybe not at launch, but that is definitely something they're working on. Um, I can say that when we first started seeing um, maybe a a week, within a few days after the uh, pre-orders, we saw articles, uh, we, we covered it too, that people were doing like, 
app store checks and they could find maybe 100 150 native apps yeah. um as of two days ago that was about 230 right so in a few in a few days it, it's already increased by 100 native apps um friday is everyone's target of course there's a lot of apps in app review currently i'm seeing a lot of developers discussing this product and i would be willing to bet within the first week um we'll see hundreds more and in the first couple months we'll be well over i mean we're Let's be honest. How many how many apps do you have installed on your phone right now, William? Do you know offhand? Uh, quite a lot, actually. Give me a second. Yeah. Oh, uh, cover me. I can. I, I seem to remember where you can check this. If I go to settings, general, about, uh, I have 163 applications on my iPhone. All Slightly right. more than I was expecting. To be fair, what about you? I have 138. Oh, now, do I win? I think so. It depends on which way you're playing. Is this golf or um, darts? But, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the funny thing is, ask me that n- number two years ago and it had been closer to 300 because there was a time that I downloaded everything. I was trying everything. Yes. I wanted every bespoke app that did one one function apps and then to have them call shortcuts and do specific things. Yeah. And in the last year or so, I've noticed that Apple has taken over a lot of these functions within shortcuts within other apps. And I've actually, I, last year, I made the call, or maybe even two years ago now, I can't remember the exact timeline. But um, in recent history, I made the call to say, you know what, if Apple has a function that's good enough, I'm going to focus on using Apple's app or function versus a third-party call and I really haven't looked back. That's why I honestly have so few apps. Out of those 138, like 30 of them are games. And yeah. Apple has, what, 37 apps um, installed by default or like 43 or something like that. So, I didn't realize that. Wow. Uh, okay. So I think all in all I might have like 60 third-party apps and like eight of those are HomeKit related. And it the breakdown is really funny. Like productivity-wise – it's not that many. So if you ever go down and just actually look at your app list, look at what you have installed, pay attention to like how many of each kind of app you have installed. And it might surprise mm. you that it's not as many as you might think. I tend but, to have four games. And honestly, that's three more than I realized. But I, I it, so I'm at 138, you're at 160. There's already more games, uh, or I'm sorry, more apps in the vision OS app store. Um, than we have installed on our phones. And I I understand that's not, you know, one-to-one comparison. There's a lot of duplicates. It's not every app that we use. It's just keep in mind that we don't need a million apps. We just need 10 good ones. And not to defend the Vision Pro or anything, just saying, like, I get the sentiment, but at the same time I don't understand quite where it's coming from because the iPhone launched without an app store. And I know that's not a direct comparison, but I saw a Wired article saying, you know, the Vision Pro is launching uh, the iPhone, the I, I'm sorry, apps made the iPhone and Vision Pro is launching without any. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm just sitting here laughing at like, okay, all right, Wired. I, I get the point you're trying to make, but the Vision Pro already has more apps than the original iPhone did. So <laughs> I don't know what you're trying, what point you're trying to make exactly. Well, actually, I'm in a similar position. I've been really, it wasn't one place, it was several. And I thought, either I am ludicrously wrong or they are. Uh, Let me try this on you. There is a story going around several places that 
the reason there are no apps on the Vision Pro, I mean, that's the word, no, none, nothing, is because Apple's been nasty to developers for years and now they're getting their revenge. Um, this... I would presume, uh, just from two word, two noises out of your mouth, you don't agree with that. This has been a, what? what's the word for a, a rhetoric, A just a stance that I have heard many times before. It just seems to... It seems to recur multiple times, and okay, I get it. Like, we've discussed this at ad nauseum, Apple's policies and App Store and everything. Like, you, you guys probably know my stance on a lot of this. Apple, I think, deserves some kind of commission. We can discuss whether or not 30% yeah. or 15% is correct. We can discuss the EU stuff that they've announced that um, it might bankrupt some companies. Like, some of this is a little nasty. Some of it is malicious compliance. I'm willing to see that. But... Um, I also think that there is a line here that Apple does deserve some amount of money for operating mm. the App Store and its ecosystem. And But there, no matter what Apple does, there will always be an Epic Games. There will always be a Tim Sweeney. Yes. There will always be a guy from Spotify whose name escapes me. Um, those guys will always be upset yes. unless they get their free lunch, right? Um, yes. And yeah. there will complain all the way to the bank as they underpay artists and make frivolous in-app purchases that um, bankrupt families because they they don't know how to use parental controls on iPhones, um, but don't care because they're a billion-dollar corporation who is in a spat with another billion-dollar corporation, right? So it's healthy to take a little bit uh, this with a little bit of salt. I think that there is a sentiment out there that developers are very mad at Apple and the conversation has shifted to be very angry because of all the stories we've talked about in the last few weeks. This wasn't even about the EU. I mean, what was it two weeks ago uh, that um, Apple announced how it was going to handle, um, gosh, what was it in the United States? I've uh, lost track of all the uh, regulation changes that we've gone through in the last few weeks. Anyway, oh, there was the a anti-steering anti-steering. That's the one. Yes. So right. we, we started with anti-steering right before the Apple vision pro pre-orders rolled right into the EU nonsense. We're going to get into in a moment. And now everyone's just really angry with Apple developer relations. But I say everyone, what I really mean, eight people on Mastodon that I follow and that are very vocal about it. And when it's multiple people talking about it inside of your space it can feel like the whole world's talking about it but i'm being realistic yeah. here nobody's actually talking about this other than those handful of developers and many of them are act many developers are actually okay with it and just not even speaking up about it because they don't care they're just living within the system they're willing to pay the price but what do you think about all this well i just to address the price thing i know developers who used to sell them software in boxes so for them 30 percent of apple is a absolute bargain and they're fine with it but that thing you just send them out uh, it's very political isn't it um when you hear everybody in your space talking about one thing you think it's bigger and then you go somewhere else and it isn't uh i have a colleague in the writers guild here um i was, I was supposed to go to an event and i pulled out of it to cover an apple briefing and i told him what it was about and he said yeah, yeah i've been hearing about that apple's making it more expensive to subscribe to podcasts isn't it <laughs> where did you get that from I think it was Spotify's uh, yeah. half-heard Spotify argument. But uh, Apple is being damaged. I mean, this is a really smart guy. He's not 
particularly interested in technology, but he uses it. He knows it really knows it really well, and he also does you know contract negotiations at really high level stuff. So he's well aware of nuances of things like this. But that's the picture that had got out to him through well, all of this bad mouthing. If we zoom out, you know, just you know, thousand yard view here of the situation, um, it's our responsibility as like tech journalists, whatever you want to call us, uh, that cover this information to put out this stuff in a way that's understandable and easy um, to digest. And not everyone follows that. So uh, a lot of people will immediately jump to whatever conclusion they want to and headline the story in the most malicious way possible. And, and a lot of people will just stop at the headline and, or maybe sure. they're just, and it's not even that like they, they could be scrolling Facebook or Twitter or their news aggregator. They could be an Apple news and just scroll past the headline, have no interest in really reading more about it, but now it's a part of their information database. Their brain has absorbed that information. So when it comes up in a topic later, even if it's half remembered, they're going to bring it up and be like, hey, didn't didn't Apple just start charging more money for podcasts or something? Like, And that's just how human brains work. So that's why it's our responsibility to try to tell as much of the story as we can in a way that people can understand. And no matter what you do, there will always be people who get it wrong. We had published a story um, uh, covering the reviews for Vision OS, uh, yeah. just saying, "Hey, all these reviews are available." And I had—I know this is—it's two two is a low number, I understand, but it's still two people willing to go out of their way, out of their day, to comment on the Twitter thread and say, "This is fake news. There's no reviews out yet." And it's like, really? all you have to do is click on the story and see like there's 17 Goodness. reviews linked in here. Yes, and and I of course. That. I didn't have to reply. Other people were like, uh, dude, like Wall Street Journal's in there. And they're like, oh, I didn't notice that. The reviews are out. You didn't bother even <laughs> opening the story. You just assumed the headline was yes. a lie and commented on it. So, that, I mean, that's where we are as, a, as, a, as humanity at the moment. So this is what we're battling day to day. I must have told you about PBS. Um, no, sorry, not PBS, NPR, National Public Radio in the States, about, I want to say 2013, they did an April Fool's Day story, and the headline was, uh, Why Americans Don't Read Anymore. And then the, the first line was, <laughs> we have no idea. They do. It's fine. Whatever. We're just trying to see who will comment on the headline and not the story. And exactly. wallop, all of these comments. Were. It was very funny for a couple of days at the time, and then it got quite nasty but that's another story i mean many of our twitter comments are from people who read the headline only and it's very obvious every time it happens and i don't know why they do it but it might just be a bot problem i don't know but (laughs) the bot's just parsing the text and posting a reply Uh, but actually sorry i probably shouldn't say this but i've obviously started uh somebody commented on a video i made uh i do this youtube channel 58 keys for writers who use apple gear and somebody put a comment on it and all i could say was well yes i just said that that was the whole point of the video yeah exactly so you know i mean great that they engaged i suppose but still okay i'll tell you what let's keep on this and touch on some other things on the way because i cannot understand why people are confused about apple's eu rules and i say that as someone who is confused by it how can it be so complicated um I, without trying to explain it all over again do you understand is there a definitive apple insider article that just gets it right did i write that article uh 
Honestly, I think you might have wrote that article, but <laughs> it's it's funny because I think Apple uh, deliberately was obtuse with uh, this implementation because um, we'll get back to malicious compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, they're complying with the EU laws, and let's be real. I think, technically speaking, they are complying. Uh, everything they did for the EU does make them qualify uh, for not getting fined for violating the, the Digital Markets Act, okay? Yeah. But what they did to comply was fairly aggressive, and that's where the term malicious compliance comes in. We're doing it, but we're doing it in the meanest, nastiest way possible. And, okay, I think that's somewhat an exaggeration, but it isn't exactly the best system. It's obviously built as everything else was, no surprise. Anyone who's been paying any attention to Apple in the regulatory space knows that if they're forced to do something by a government, they're going to do it in a way that complies with the law that makes everyone else angry. Look at what they did with the dating apps and the commissions mm-hmm. there, and look at, at all these other things. They're literally going to strip it down for parts and say, okay, it literally costs this much. I was mad that I didn't get the percentage right last week on the show because I was actually not too far off. I said, Apple's just going to say, do 22% because the rest is how much it costs for us to run the app store. They actually said 17%, so I wasn't too far off. Um, so anyway, the rules are set up in a way to say you can run third party marketplaces. You can have apps exist outside of the app store that can be downloaded directly from Safari, but they still have to be approved by Apple. They still have to go through commission and you still owe us money for participating on our platform. Um, and technically all of that does comply. So what I'm seeing, and you can comment on this more, what I'm seeing is the biggest thing that people have an issue with, and again, this is only if you choose to exit Apple's current App Store policy, because it is a volunteer option. This isn't everyone in the EU automatically. It's if you choose to exit the current App Store um, options, um, you are now having to pay 50 do you call it cents in euros yes uh, uh, it throws me half a euro is what i've been saying but yes, yeah it's roughly 54 american cents is yeah what it costs so me. so half a euro i guess uh per app install the first hundred or i'm sorry the first million installs are waived um more or less yeah. but at million and one you're charged for the million and two right so it backlog uh, oh it, nice yeah. i thought it was everything after the million so a million and one is Oh, one. I'm sorry. Yeah, because there is a calculator, correct? So everyone's putting in two yes, million app installs. And if yes. you put in two million app installs, you owe Apple $50,000, even if you charge $0.00 and zero cents for your app. But if you install it outside of Apple's current App Store system, you owe Apple $50,000. And that is the current situation that we're dealing with. But I would I, um, also argue, just yeah. just to leave my point yeah. and I'll let, I'll let you talk. I would argue, though, if you're a developer making a free app that um, doesn't charge any money, why wouldn't you just use App Apple's system? Unless I yes, guess it was definitely. an emulator or something, but I, I don't know. I can see reasons why, but also may, maybe just don't. I, I I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I hadn't thought of emulators, but I honestly I question whether an emulator is going to get a million and one downloads in a year. I. I would be really curious to know how many totally free apps uh, have more than a million and the company doesn't monetize it in some other way. Um, it's a dangerous game. Or something. Yeah. 
it's a dangerous game to play. Imagine launching an app. Okay, so one I saw, one example I saw, I believe Steve Stroud Smith brought it up on Mastodon, and he said, "Okay, Mastodon is a publicly funded um, a, a system. Uh, you can go to Patreon and donate, and they get like I don't know, fifty thousand. Like I, I think it's sub that. I think it's like forty some thousand dollars or sixty some thousand dollars somewhere in there, and um, donations per year. Uh, and if but clearly more than a million people use Mastodon. If Mastodon used this system, the company would go bankrupt because that's all the money that they get for development. But now oh, it's owed right. to Apple suddenly, right? But again, that's if they use this system. So I don't know. One thing I originally thought was bad is uh, if you do choose to leave the App Store, um, you can't go back. I mean, you could create another account and do something, but you can't take an app out, uh, try it away from it and think this isn't working and try to go back. Um, and I did think that was, you know, uh, Apple kind of rudely shutting the gates on things. But the more I think about it, um, what would they do if I moved an app from the app store outside of the app and then sold loads of things and then moved back? Do they bill me for the ones that I sold while I was done? And how do users upgrade? I think they may not have had a choice on that one. Um, there's nothing stopping you from just incorporating a new company and opening a new app store agreement. I understand that's a big move. But if yeah. you're well, if you were an individual, obviously that's kind of a process. But if you're a company, they don't care. They'll, they'll spin up seven um companies in a day just to get around certain regulations sure but um i don't know i i just <laughs> i i've i've heard people say okay what do you do you you put a stoppage so that once you reach 999,999 downloads that it removes itself from the app store and says sorry <laughs> come again next year um i i think this is the thing that apple's going to probably have to address or change uh tw just even in the most minor way but I think everything else, uh, it, it works. I, the 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 half euro thing is odd. I think it's an incentive to tell people to go away, don't do it. Um, and I think the EU is going to have a problem with it. They're going to challenge Apple on it. It's going to be a whole battle. But I think this is what's ultimately going to change. But I think everything else is going to stay the same. Yeah. Yeah, you're saying legal battles. Every time I talk to you, I love this because my mind goes off on five different directions. And there is one thing today I have got to ask you about because I know you're the man for it. But I don't want to leave legal battles and forget about them. Because was it two weeks ago, we got to announce that Epic versus Apple was all over. It was an American legal case that had actually ended. And huh, it's back again. Uh, because now Epic is uh, accusing Apple of... Um, they're not using that phrase you did, the, uh, what was the phrase, malicious... Um, malicious compliance. Thank you. They're not quite using that phrase, but they are saying non-compliance. Apple is not doing the anti-steering thing like oh, yeah. what it's supposed to. Um, I think they've got a point, actually, but I can kind of live with it, really. Um, do you expect, Can I tell you what I know about it, or do you know this better than me? Uh, no, go ahead. Well, the bits that, that stuck out for me were um, Apple is supposed to allow developers to tell users that they can buy things directly from the developer, which by implication means cheaper without the fee. Um, and they have done that. They are doing this, but they have specified it can only be said to the user once and it can only be said at certain points and specifically not when they try to go buy an in-app purchase. It has to be practically on startup and never again, like... Um, privacy warnings and things like that and 
you see why they do it. I see why Epic thinks that's unfair, but it's you know what you said. It's the letter of the law. They're doing what they absolutely have to, and of course they are. Uh, is that does Epic have a chance, or are we going to have another three years of Epic versus Apple? Well, so the problem is Apple is complying because the law wasn't specific enough. Um, it didn't say Apple must allow. 10 instances of external linking in an app. It just said it must allow an instance of external linking. And Apple literally said, okay, you can have <laughs> one link to an external factor. And so Apple complied and Epic is upset. So now they're going to go back to the law and say, but you, you, you didn't specify enough uh, to say you can do whatever you want. But because what Epic really wants is a do whatever you want clause so they can yeah. just do whatever they want. Like, I I don't know why people think that there's some kind of hero in this situation. They clearly just want to do everything possible to get around paying any money to yeah. anyone except themselves. And that I think is silly. Uh, Epic is um, definitely fighting the right battle for the wrong reasons. Uh, Apple mm. should allow external linking. They should allow competition uh, to an extent with within their own app store um, say like Netflix like being a reader app I guess um, say yeah. Netflix wants to link in its store saying hey you can actually save 30% by going to an external uh, to our website that sh there's should be no reason against that let or let users say you know what no I don't even though I could probably save a couple like two dollars a month I'd really prefer just keep my payment information private to Apple and make that decision themselves. Maybe some consumers would actually make the decision. I don't know that many people that would, but some people have the means to not care and they would just do that anyway. And uh, I don't know. I just think Apple is hurting itself with all of these rules. Basically like, you know, if you go back in time a little bit to when you're on the playground and uh, someone wanted to um, be the leader of a, of their, of your little club uh, yes. They would make all the rules, but suddenly you realize all the rules just really benefited them and you would <laughs> get nothing out of it. Right. And, uh, mm. and you would ask them, so why, why is it this way? It's because I said so. Right. There's yes. not really any reason or justification. It's just, we built, we built this club. It is my club. And I, therefore what I say goes, and that's why outside regulators have to come in and say, you know what, maybe you're being a little unfair. Let's take control here. So I don't like that governments are dictating what Apple needs to do. But I also don't like that Apple's put itself in a situation where it needs an external resource telling them that they're wrong when they obviously clearly believe they're very right. So it's a very interesting it's situation. Hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you've described yourself as an Apple fanboy, and I quite like that you did that because uh, people have uh, – it, it is accused. People have accused me of being that, and I felt – you see, I'm more critical than Wes. I must be all right. I am really down on certain things Apple does uh, as a business. Uh, all the union stuff he does, for example, I think that's loathsome. But um, I like what they do otherwise. And it, all of this just stuff makes me think that they're really good at developing legal teams as well as devices and things. So, yeah, it's not the Apple we used to know. Tell you what, let me ask you the thing before it goes out of my head, because I wrote a news story today as we record this, and I understood the news story, but I knew you'd know more about it. Unity has released this uh, ability to develop uh, Vision OS apps through its software. Um, now, they've been testing that for months. We've covered it on Apple Insider when it first came out. Now it's for everybody on um, 
whatever they their higher tier paid things are called Unity Pro, I think is the bottom one that they do. I I can't quite grasp whether this is a good or a bad thing because it seems to me that um, if I develop for Unity for Vision OS, I could just develop for Vision OS straight away. And if I don't, then I am dependent on Unity and Apple is dependent on Unity. Is Unity a useful tool or an abstraction layer, do you think? Um, I mean, Unity, I think it's the only option, right? I, um, game dev kits have become such a weirdly controversial thing because they exist to help you build these systems, but now they're pulling basically what Apple does with their app store and their APIs. They're they're charging a lot of money to um, allow developers to use their systems. And... Unity, yeah. I think, is one of the better ones out there. Is my understanding? Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. I I can't remember um, which one does Epic Games own. Epic owns its own. It is Unity, I think. Is um, it Epic Games? Okay, yeah. so maybe maybe I'm misremembering because I, I do remember there being this huge spat over, um, like basically the this dev tool owning everything in perpetuity if you build it on its engine <laughs> more mm. or less um i don't know if that was unity or not my my brain's escaping me on this one i didn't do the research but uh i don't know what what do you think like with it, is this going to help uh push more apps to vision pro it just it reminds me as a non-gamer i was vaguely aware of unity but it sounds to me like um uh, what's that thing that uh, abstraction layer that people use for developing Mac apps that aren't really Mac apps? I want to say Cascade or Cavalcade or something beginning with a C. I'm really into this. Look at the level of detail we've got here. <laughs> this uh, this emulator thing. I remember when One Password announced they were going to it. Uh, I was deeply disappointed that they were abandoning the uh, native uh, Mac version. Oh, and we're yet, talking about the here. Chrome the chrome thing um no i don't think it's definitely uh, we're narrowing this down begins with a c uh come back next week for the rest of the word um yeah it felt like i was suddenly worried let me be clear about one password i think they actually in the end they did a much better job than i was expecting and i use it and it looks good and i wouldn't know it wasn't there but over the years i've seen situations where uh, a middle ground platform like this has become so important that it's killed off the computers underneath it. So something that was to allow you to work with uh, right, one app for Windows and Mac, for example, uh, never updated to have all the, the good new Mac stuff. It only ever stayed as the kind of um, uh, least common denominator for it. So every app through it was actually not a great Windows app, not a great Mac app. And I worried that Unity would be doing the same vision pro possibly groundlessly but that's the first thing i thought when i oh, read all this no no no, no, no. um it's not that uh i great we're, we're gonna get a million emails um yeah so what you're describing is the I, I i i'm pretty sure it's the chrome thing um it's basically where it's uh a web wrapper around or it's an app wrapper around a web app basically that that launches into this like ugly web view that's clearly not built for the device you're on unity is uh it's it's a game development engine so um a lot of apps and a lot of games are built with unity and uh because of that (laughs) a lot of them look kind of similar um 
but at the same time, uh, it does open the door to a lot of things. I think we already saw uh, some games uh, use Unity to develop uh, on Vision Pro. It's just now it's a public tool rather than being like in a private beta or whatever it is uh, that was going on on their end. So I do remember Apple trying to block <laughs> Epic Games from um, allowing Unity on um iOS when they were fighting them over Fortnite and thankfully that got blocked because that would have disrupted a lot of game development yes. like like people would have had to have shifted to a completely new um dev tool and it just would not was not going to happen but um no I, I I don't I think I think this is actually a good thing like uh Unity being available for Vision Pro development is excellent it, it just means uh more opportunity more options for developers uh as far as building games and platforms for the new device well in that case um i will try to forget how little i know about this and just be generally relieved which is you know it's kind of good way to be really how about we move on to something that i know for a fact except i don't um anyone listening to this apple inside podcast on an iphone if you would please look at the show page and scroll down to the bottom you may or you may not see a new transcripts section this is not one we have done. It's Apple has added transcripts in iOS 17.4 and they're automatically generated. And the ones I've seen are really well done. But not every podcast has it. Uh, podcast uh, producers have to agree. It's a new part of the legal firm, uh, terms and conditions for it. And Apple Insider agreed instantly uh, for it. Of course we did. We want this for people. But it seems to be also rolling out slowly. So if you've got transcripts, you could scroll through and see how many times we look well, for words beginning with C um, or not. It's, it's iOS 17.4, so you have to be in the beta. Do you know... That would make sense, isn't it? And yes. I started this saying things I know about and uh, things I know about and have forgotten. Um, how about we make this one of those uh, features that nobody's ever heard of that you know, but when 17.4 is out, how does that sound reasonable? Come back to this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but also, Kate, in 17.4 beta, there are other things. There are iPad Pro and Apple Pencil capabilities now this bit i don't know about and i believe you do because I, I always think of you as the ipad guy for it um was there enough in the beta to tell us what these features capabilities are basically this is the usual kind of code leak um apple forgot to remove something or uh whatever some string it's literally like a snippet someone's gone through and read line for line inside of the code and found this snippet that mentions uh like and mostly gibberish with equal signs and, and dashes and then in the middle of it it says uh like landscape f oriented face id camera right <laughs> in the middle of this long string of random text um so this is a, that kind of leak uh basically someone was able to dig in uh and uh so one of the people at checkout code for nine to five mac they covered this um they were able to find references to a ipad pro with a landscape face id camera which we don't have yet that's only on the ipad 10th generation um, right. and then they also found references to an apple pencil 3 that would be included in find my and that string was probably something along the lines of find my you know include equal you know yes. apple pencil dash you know third generation or whatever so or just Apple Pencil, because it doesn't have to say the number at the end. You just know, oh, whatever the new Apple Pencil is going to be is going to have this right. Find My functionality. Because no, no pencil works with Find My currently. 
Oh, that's true. Of course it doesn't. I wouldn't... That'd be interesting. Actually, I quite fancy a pencil that does because I keep losing my pencil, not that I use it that often. I'm sorry. I'm so tempted. I would be curious to know what Apple's process is for putting out betas. Because if you start removing things you don't want people to know about yet and then you put them back, I mean, is there a chance that would actually cause more problems? Maybe they just think... Let, let it be in there. We'll we'll put in dash dash kidding every now and again or something like that and get away with it. No. Well, if if seventeen dot four references new hardware, that that likely means that we'll hear about it sometime in March, um, because that's when seventeen dot four is supposed to come out. Because it has to do with the regulations with the EU, which we oh, kind yes. of glazed yeah. over that part. But um, all of this is due uh, to happen by March. Apple has to comply, meaning seventeen dot four has to come out. So these references don't necessarily mean they're going to announce the hardware by then. It just means it's probably coming soon. And yeah. the way I understand this works is. They, you know, you're developing and you have to test against this stuff. And if you're testing um, iOS and iPad OS, which is generally the same code base, um, and you're working with new hardware and you want to see, uh, have these call outs to a Face ID iPad or an Apple Pencil with Find My, it's all going to be in the code internal to Apple. So, like, there's an internal beta running. And when they want to publish that to the public, there's um, tags on everything that needs to be removed from um, the code strings before it's published to the public so that, you know, you don't go in. Kind of like what happened with the HomePod revealing um, the iPhone 10. <laughs> Oops. Um, yes. Uh, which is pretty magnificent, but uh, just someone was asleep that day. I don't know. But basically, I guess they tag everything a certain way so they can basically target that tag and say everything with this tag go away or obfuscate in some way and uh whoever wrote this stuff in just forgot to tag it or forgot to remove it I, later and it just happened to stay I, I picture somebody with a sandwich halfway to their mouth thinking oh there's something i should have done oh well yeah mind. i don't think coffee. these kinds of things don't result in firings i don't think but I, they do they probably do result in some sort of disciplinary action or at least a firm talking to i don't think they take them to the severance chamber and make them read off of a pamphlet <laughs> Uh, but that reminds me, you were right. Severance is back in production, and so is Silo. Uh, you know, the, the stars and executive producers of both shows have said this week they're back in, in front Very of the exciting. cameras, and I was so relieved by that. Um, but sticking with code in the beta, because I got so briefly very excited about the news that also in iOS 17.4's beta, there are references to eight, count them, eight new CarPlay apps but, you know, some of them are things like there's one called um, Closures. All the app does is tell you whether the doors are open or not. And I, I get, you know, my car does that. They're trying to replace every feature in a car. But it's not really an app, is it? That's a notification. So, I don't know. So, deep down in the operating system, CarOS, whatever you want to call it, uh, CarPlay. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's It's actually a terrible name. The more we get added to it i think we're gonna ha they're gonna have to change it change the name because i don't i don't think carplay makes any sense anymore mm -hmm. but um because we saw carplay 2.0 right or 3.0 whatever version it is now the new version of carplay that's supposed to be futuristic where it takes over the entire dash the instrument cluster all of that well turns out you still need the instrument cluster but in software form so that means carplay needs to be able to tap into things like tire pressure and cabin temperature and door sensors and whether or not the trunk is open 
or uh, operating the hood latch, right? Like all of these stupid car things now ha- that you you used to be analog and tap into a like mechanical switch that turns a light on on your dash now has to integrate yeah. with a computer system, which is very it hurts to say out loud but that's just that's that's how this modern stuff's going to work so instead of getting a you know actual like on off switch that just turns a light on it's going to be converted to a digital signal that translates to an image on a lcd display and that's how basically we end up with eight new apps that do tire pressure indication and these aren't going to come to older cars i don't you know unless there's some weird third party um, way to wire this up which they're not going to bother it's th- this is for the new car systems the the um aston uh, aston it, martin the, right yeah, the exactly. car you're gonna uh, you're gonna buy later this year in blue well exactly that's the question blue yeah yeah <laughs> got to get something while i'm waiting for the apple car clearly uh and this that's the kind of market i'm in you know, it's do I get one or two? Do I get one Aston Martin and one put? It's some. It's, it's, a, it's quite a hard decision. William, do you have fair. CarPlay installed? Yes, or do you, I do. You, and own actually, a, you own a car? Okay. Just last year, uh, I drove my car into the ground. Uh, it was in such a bad state. I finally replaced it, and I know nothing about cars, nothing at all. But all I knew was I wanted CarPlay. Absolutely. Um, and I have it. I don't. I, I've said this to my wife recently because she uses CarPlay and doesn't really think about it. Most people who use CarPlay come away thinking this is fantastic. But the more I stop and think about, it, I'm not sure why. Because it doesn't do a lot and it's very simple. But still, I now would not be without it for it. I think it doesn't do very many things, but it does them really well. And it's a better simple than HUD. Yeah. 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 Um, I I own several CarPlay like fact, like vehicles with factory installed CarPlay um, over oh, yeah. the years. So basically, since it came out, like I was in the military, so I just went and bought a car with CarPlay in it because I was like, I I want to try this. This this looks really cool. And so I got like a 2014 whatever Honda Civic that had it. And uh, so I, I had a couple of vehicles since then with it. And then recently, I, I went the cheap route and just wanted to save money and just bought some used Honda CR or HRV. That it was a 2016, but I, it was the base trim, so it didn't have CarPlay. So I was just like, ah, but it, I was getting a deal, so I just went ahead and got it, intending to add CarPlay later. I n- went very long time without it, just kind of just pushing it off. I was like, ah, I don't want to bother. I'm actually reviewing a CarPlay unit now. Uh, that'll be, you know, you're hearing it from me yeah. now. The review will be out in like late March. We'll we'll see when it happens. But I went through the installation process, and gee, it's so simple and yet so annoying as an electrician it was easy you know you just go and you attach the the wires to the the dash kit and make sure it all plugs in correctly but it it was so funny to me i pull out the old stereo and of course this is 2016 so everything's more integrated there's many more wires than you might find in say a 2006 um radio and i unplug everything and i realize my new carplay unit has one hole for things my old the the thing i just pulled out has four holes for things and i had to sit there and think will my car work without everything connected so i connected it uh so i i looked into it and the connections that made were to the speakers and the systems that were necessary for the carplay unit and the uh antenna were the two cables i did connect the two cables i did not get to connect were the rear backup camera which is hardware or or factory default 
only for the car, so there was no way to get that into the system, which is fine because I installed a third-party backup camera to replace it. Long story short. But um, the other bundle of cable, and this thing was a bunch of cables, and I was just like, what? This feels important. (laughs) If I don't plug this in, is something going to catch on fire? Turns out all those cables was for controlling the audio, like the, the steering wheel button controls. For all those wires, it's maddening. So I just left it unplugged. I don't need my steering wheel control, and uh, nothing caught on fire yet. So we'll see if anything uh, funny happens. Right, now. right. That's nothing caught on fire yet. And I, I, we're going to end here because up to this <laughs> point, I'm going to tell you, I have admired you as an electrician. You've got this military background. You know technology so well. But what you've just told me is you made a quick repair job and you had a couple of cables left over. That's the kind of thing I do. Bits left oh, over. But the I cables were meant to be left over. I mean, oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm thinking what I might do in the fu- in the future when I get bored is rip the whole thing back out again because it's connected to um, a module connector. Like all the wires are going into a little guy, and the guy plugs into the back. It's just a single plug, so you're not going wire by wire. I think I'm just going to rip that whole head off and then wire by wire connect it because there are steering wheel control connectors in the new wiring harness that i purchased they're just left without any connections to them so i want to go through and figure out what we, each one does and then manually connect them that way and that'll be an afternoon project at some point but i don't care enough to do it right now so i just threw it back in the dash and said i just won't have steering wheel controls right now <laughs> well promise me when you do do it you will film it with spatial video on your new apple vision pro headset okay promise um, me oh of course no and before we go i just wanted to bring up one last little tidbit yes um, the Apple Vision Pro reviews did give us some information about the battery, and I wanted oh. to, uh, everyone has questions. So the battery is rated at 3166 milliamp hours, and it has a 35.9 watt hour, um, rating, basically. I'm going to just throw in here. I I know I I should understand this. These are always just numbers to me, battery figures. Uh, I've heard larger numbers, so I presume mm-hmm. this isn't great, but that's about it's, as far as I go. Are you disappointed? It's very small, especially for the case. The battery case is basically the size of an iPhone like Pro Max, but it's also made of solid metal, so it's very mm. heavy. Um, if you get an Anchor 10,000 milliamp hour battery and it's made of plastic, it's very lightweight and fits in your pocket pretty easily. Um, I think Apple wanted to go for the design here, but if they had gone with plastic, it would have been much lighter, probably easier to cool too, because the battery will expand yeah. a lot of heat. Uh, maybe the maybe the metal acts as a heat sink. I don't, I don't, I didn't design the battery. I don't know. Uh, but the watt hour uh, rating is promising, if only because that means that it's um, got a pretty good. Uh, voltage um but and it also comes with a 30 watt power brick which is enough to keep it charged so if you plug it into 30 watts um or more the vision pro won't drain while you're using it uh so that's a good and so that's that's a relatively low amount of required input wattage but that also means that most battery packs that you buy will very easily keep your um vision pro powered so if people were concerned about that uh you can put the You know, if you're wearing jeans, you put your Apple Vision Pro battery in your left jean pocket. You put an Anchor 20,000 amp milliamp hour battery in your right jean pocket, bounce a cable between those, bam. Now you have a headset for 12 and a half hours, 15 hours. I'm sorry, that would be for a a 10,000 milliamp hour battery extension pack would allow you to use your Vision Pro for about 12 hours. Okay, you just look like you're wearing a batch utility belt at the time. 
but, or fanny pack know, or you know yeah nobody's going to be looking down there it's all going to be like well this funny thing on your face yeah yes it was then uh, obviously we're going to be working together and i'll read everything you do but the next time we actually speak we'll be on the podcast next time and by then you will have been to nashville and can tell me all about the shows you saw can't you have a great trip for it and i am excited Thanks. for you to be getting this and i want I'm excited. every possible detail yeah yeah everyone you know follow you can follow along on my journey on on social on, on macedon really i'm not going to post anywhere else uh <laughs> but yeah expect you know full review for the vision pro and uh, i'm going to be discussing the silly travel case and the optical inserts oh, yes. and yes. uh we're going to be coming up with a million different things to talk about during the week i'm going to be publishing we have actually a few people on staff getting it it's not just me yeah. and uh Mike and we have a couple other people looking into it so uh, we'll have a few people writing differing articles with differing opinions so don't think it's going to be all me on there gushing about how amazing and wonderful a product it is there will be some people there to be angry about it as well so uh, okay. I hope everyone uh, enjoyed my did you 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 read that story I wrote last week I know we ended yes. before it published and then here we are back again Yes, and now you started me off on another five things we'll talk about <laughs> next week. Next, next week. Next Wes, week. Of great course. to talk to you. Love doing this. Go to Nashville. Uh, thank oh, you everybody much for listening. And let's just sit here waiting for next week when we find out even more. <laughs>